This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor has just come back from a series of book events. We're going to talk about that, but before we get to that, uh, the topic today is teleportation. Uh, How to avoid teleportation. Yeah, how to avoid it. So give us a little preview of that. Of what it is? Yes. Okay, so teleportation is what happens in a book when characters magically show up someplace new without any indication of how they got from point A to point B. That sounds like something that I really need to listen to. So I'm looking forward to this, but first, let's get caught up on Taylor's stories from the road. That was last week. You were kind of all over the place, right? I was. Um, I went to Houston and Austin, and it so... This is a really interesting time of year to do events because everybody's still kind of recuperating from Christmas and New Year's. And so you don't really draw big crowds, even bigger, far bigger name authors than I am. Don't draw really big crowds. So I knew that going in. And um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I I had a really fun time because most of those who showed to the events were people who are already big fans of my work and have read most of my books. So it allows you to just hang out with friends, really, and talk about your work and what you do. And there's always going to like one new person in the audience who has no idea who you are. So, you know, you have to go back over a few things and and talk about stuff for their for their sake, but uh, mostly it's just chit chatting about all kinds of random stuff. You know, not everybody who is a fan also reads all the emails or listens to all the podcasts or is in the Facebook group or whatever. So people get sort of a mishmash of information, or maybe something some of the things they know are a little bit outdated or whatever. So you know, there's, there's questions about, well, whatever happened to this or whatever happened about that or whatever. So there's just catching up and yeah, it's just a really fun time. And in Austin, there's one awesome woman who who dragged two of her friends along. She's like, you have to come see this author. And they drove quite a way, at least a 45 minute to an hour trip from where they were living out out sort of outside the city to come in and see me. So that was really cool. And um, those readers had already heard a lot about me, but had not ever read any of my work. Yeah, they had a 45-minute so, preview on the way there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just, they were eager. They wanted to know. And, and, you know, there's just sort of this excitement that comes from that of, like, you, you're not cold calling on sales or anything. It's like a warm call. <laughs> So it was just it was a really good time. It was a lot of fun. You know, it occurred to me when you were talking about you know, not everybody knows everything, how interesting it must be. I know I'll talk to friends and they'll say, did you see this on Facebook? And I'm like, no. And there is this sense that especially if you're kind of all over the place like you are, 
You're a very private person, but you have a podcast, you have a Facebook page, you have an email list, and in all of those things, you share personal information. Um, so there, there, it would be very easy to get a sense that everybody already knows this, but 99% of your readers probably only consume your books and nothing else. It's true. And even like highlighting that to me um, is that because I'm my own webmaster and my website is still coded in HTML and to make any and uh, PHP and I don't know PHP, but I know how to I'm smart enough to figure out what somebody else has done that does what and then copy and paste it. And for people um, out there who are not geeks. I mean, that's like the hardest way to do a website. It and, is insane. And it's, it's like that's 20 years ago, everyone did their website that way. Um, in 2020, Taylor does her website that way. <laughs> and the only reason is because I, I keep talking about, okay, I need to get, you know, hire somebody to rebuild my website and whatever. And it's just I have so much stuff going on that the amount of time it would take to find somebody, hire them, tell them what I want to get done and hope that they're actually smart enough and capable enough to do it and not just mess everything up even worse because there's such a variation when somebody says they can do something versus what they deliver on. Um, it's just I haven't had the time to even get somebody else to do the thing. And for me myself to go in and make those few changes has been way low on my priority list. I'm just in mental survival mode. It's getting better, and, and I'm working through my list, and I've actually even got update website in ink now on my to-do list. Wow, which is and it's, it, is it on the first page or the second page? <laughs> I'd say second page. <laughs> but, but, but I hear from somebody on Facebook, I guess they're not there very often, and they went on my author page, which is the public facing page, which I don't really post much there except for, you know, book events or, you know, links to promo things, and which is a really bad way to do social media. But anyway, they're like, I was on your website and I didn't see any new books coming. And I thought, who the heck goes to my website for anything anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I need to kind of update that at least there's, you know, it's still liar's paradox is what's advertised on that. And then to make matters even worse, apparently really? I, did, I did go in and put the event information in like mm -hmm. way back a couple a month ago or something, and I might have maybe put the wrong time in for something. And somebody pointed out to me I was late because I went to your website and it had the wrong time. And I'm like, that's two people in two weeks. <laughs> Who goes to my website anymore? So, yeah, it's on my to-do list now. But just that just gives you an idea of how difficult it is to reach everyone. Like, there's nobody who visits all the places and knows all the things. And 90% of readers probably don't even know I have a website. If, you know, they might look for me on Amazon or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, and the weird thing is, um, you're, I just checked while we were, while you were going, where you're talking about two people going to your website in two weeks. Your, your website actually gets a decent amount of traffic, you know, it, from... From an author website standpoint, yours does really well. So there are a uh, lot of Steve, people that are Steve, going there. Steve can see the guts of my website in case anybody's wondering about this. He knows more about my website than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so now you tell me. Okay, great. I, I will make, I'll put this to the first page of my to-do list now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, yes. So yeah, 
I, I'm looking at your website now and going, hmm, Liar's Paradox. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. I know. I know. I'll, I can. It's gotten to the point. All I can do is laugh at myself now and just go. You know, I, I'm just one person. Well, the good thing is you're laughing because if we'd have had this conversation two months ago, you'd have probably burst into tears. Four months ago. Four <laughs> oh, okay, months ago. four months ago. All <laughs> yes. Right. Yes, I'm doing so much better. All right, so that's it. Let us get to our topic. Let us transport ourselves to the topic. So how to avoid teleportation? And we hit on this, the very, very opening of, you know, what the heck is teleportation? And I don't know if this is a real word that anybody else uses. It's just what I use to describe this uh, event or issue that shows up when characters magically show up someplace new in a story without any indication of how they got from point A to point B. So why is teleportation a problem? And that's because when characters magically show up someplace new without any forewarning or sense of how they got there, the reader doesn't have anything to use to build a sense of time or place. So stuff is happening, but the reader has no idea where it's happening or when in relation to the rest of the story, and that creates confusion. And confusion is the enemy of immersion and the suspension of disbelief, and it's just grit, right? So... Pretty much rule number one of all good writing is don't confuse your reader. And, you know, you can break it down into as many different ways as you want. And teleportation is a really, really good way to just leave readers going, what? So teleportation is both a flow issue and a perspective issue. Now, flow issues arise when what's in the author's head fails to make it onto the page. And perspective issues arise when we lose our close connection to the character, when the author loses their close connection to the character and starts writing their scenes as if they're watching the scene from a distance instead of actually being in them or being the character. So teleportation usually doesn't show up in work that's been through editorial or beta reader review because readers who aren't the author and don't know what's in the author's head tend to catch that type of stuff by not understanding things or asking questions, clarifications. So if a story has been through anybody else's hands other than the author, at least anybody who's really paying attention and looking at it with a fairly critical eye, that type of stuff will show up. Unless, and I say this with, I, I very nervously say this because it can sound disrespectful and I don't intend it as such, but if the readers who are beta reading have only ever read work with this type of issue in it, they may be blind to it and think that's just how writing is done and used to it. And and we see that with a lot of writing issues these days. Uh, a lot of authors are putting out work uh, on their own and sometimes without much of a review process through it or maybe readers who aren't as keen or as used to different styles of writing. And so a lot of that stuff will slip through. And so that if that's your your test audience, then there's a chance that it's not going to get caught. But generally speaking, if you've, if you've got somewhat of a rigorous review process or, um, or you're going through actual formal editorial process, then these types of things will get, get caught. But even still, it, teleportation creates its own set of problems in the draft stage. And 
The first is that assuming you're able to spot and catch the issues yourself or somebody else does, by the very nature of the incompleteness of it, it makes subsequent drafts and line editing more difficult than it needs to be because you you don't have fully fully developed scenes because you're missing pieces. And so what you really have on your hands in that case is a rough draft, at least those specific portions. And so it might be a very uneven process. And if you're going through your drafts and you think you're on draft four, but you've still got these teleportation issues, those spots are equivalently like a first draft. So it creates an unevenness, right? But second, and this is kind of a bigger danger, is if you or someone else doesn't spot and fix them on your own, and they are in this manuscript and you're preparing to submit it to agents or editors, you've got a real problem on your hands. And that's because even though teleportation in and of itself isn't difficult to fix, when it's not fixed, especially if it shows up more than just a random time or two, it can leave the entire work feeling very unfinished and very amateurish. So in other words, it's it's not a big deal to fix it on the writing end, but it's a heck of a big deal on the reading end. And if you've gotten to an agent or an editor, you've already gotten your work in front of them and they're considering it and they might otherwise feel you have a promising story on your hands, these types of issues, teleportation issues, they can make the whole thing feel like it's not ready and not worth the amount of work that the agent or editor would have to put in to get it ready, which means you're getting rejected not because the story isn't good, but because they're looking at you going, you're not there yet in your writing. And so all of that to say, it's a whole lot better to learn how to spot and fix teleportation issues up front than it is to deal with them on the back end. So spotting them. I honestly am not sure exactly how to teach someone to spot teleportation issues. And the reason is, Anything that's flow-related, which is when something's in the author's head and doesn't make it onto the page, that's really going to be personal to each author, which means it shows up differently in each work. And if the author was already capable of spotting those issues to begin with, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. So how do you teach somebody to see something that they should be seeing, but they're not? I don't know, because I never had to learn to spot them myself. So I figure the second best way to approach it is learning to avoid them so you don't have to spot them. And I think that's a little bit easier to teach because that's the perspective side of things. And perspective has to do with how close up inside we are to the character's thoughts and heads. So I believe, and this is my opinion on how teleportation issues arise, and I do not have any hard data to back this up, but I believe that teleportation issues enter a manuscript when the author is imagining or envisioning scenes like character movement, plot points, etc., as if they're watching a movie, or when they're following an outline and converting that outline to the page becomes similar to filming a script. And in movies, teleportation is the norm. So character A is in scene one, interacting with character B, cut scene. Now character, C, character A is in scene two, a completely different place, interacting with character C. 
and there's no explanation of how character A got from place to place. It simply is, and it works. It works beautifully. And the reason this works in movies is because movies are an entirely external visual experience. But books are an internal mental experience. So movies rely on observation, right? Nothing exists unless you can film it, like see it or speak it. But in books, we are really only privy to what a point of view character experiences and more importantly, what they think and what they feel. And you don't get thinks and feels in a movie unless it's voiceover. So it's completely different form of storytelling. One is exclusively visual and audio, like spoken, and the other is exclusively mental because the visuals exist only in t- inside someone's head. They, they, they are not tangible. You can describe something and two readers are going to see it two completely different ways based on the exact same information. It is personal and internal. So because of that, if, if the author comes to storytelling more familiar with movies, and here's the, the other, other part of it, when an author has read a lot and has experienced creating mental movies off of other people's work, they might mistakenly feel that those mental movies that they're conjuring up in their own imagination are the same thing as the movies that they're watching on a screen, but they're built by completely separate processes. So in trying to conjure that same uh, inner experience, they might mistakenly try and do it as if they were showing a movie. And that's not how creating vivid scenes work. So when you imagine your scenes the same way you would a visual story, in other words, a movie, then you end up with teleportation. You get character A arriving at building one to meet character B and snap of a finger, blink of an eye, character A is shaking character's B hand and saying hello. There's nothing that got them from, say, the lobby to saying hello to their character. What happened? And in a movie, that works. But in the written story, we have to have something that spans the space between, in this instance, arrival and shaking hands. It's this something, whatever it is, that provides that sense of time and space and builds out just enough detail so the character isn't blinking in from place to place in this empty void. So that something, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be a lot, but it has to exist. So what would that something look like if we use the same example of character A arrives at building one to meet character B and snap of the finger, blink of an eye, character A is shaking character's B hand and saying hello. What is that in that snap of a finger, blink of an eye? What do What is the something that we replace and put it in there so that we have a sense of time and space? And here's what that might look like in a rough draft. Character A arrived at building one to meet character B. She found the elevator, punched the button for the 15th floor, and exited to plush carpets, an enormous reception area, and the smell of money. Character B was there waiting to greet her. 
Character A shook character's B hand and said hello. So I literally just took the exact same scenario that I described. Character A arrives at building one to meet character B and bracket replaced the, the blink of an eye with a 33 words in three sentences and then added character A is shaking character's B hand and saying hello. So all I did was took what already existed, removed you know that blink of an eye and snap of the finger and replaced it with a couple sentences. And now we've no longer teleported that character from point A to point B. It's not a lot, it's a little. But what you've done is two things. One, you've you've gotten you've filled in the detail of how they got from point A to point B, which is necessary when you don't have the benefit of being able to just film it. Like you're inside a character's head. That character knows something. What is it they know? But you're also providing texture and detail in the process. So anything could have, you know, where did this, where did character A meet character B? It could have been by a lake. It could have been beneath a, a bridge by a sub by a, a train station it could have been so many different places and the the maybe it's not exactly three sentences maybe it's not exactly 33 words but whatever that small little detail is it's providing that sense of space that's building out this set scene so that the character is no longer in a void and if you don't do that in your writing um then then it's not going to feel full it's it's not going to feel like a actual story it's going to feel like flashes and, and flashes are not, that are disconnected, that doesn't feel like you as the author actually have a grasp of what you're doing. You're just sketching notes in, onto the page. It doesn't count. It's not a story. So it's really not that difficult to avoid teleportation. It, the, the issue is not realizing that it needs to be done in the first place. And so I think the easiest way to avoid that gap, to to avoid creating these teleportations in the first place is to view every scene through your character's eyes. Now, that is, it, to some people it's going to seem like, duh, but no, it's not duh. Because when I say view every scene through your character's eyes, what a lot of people hear is view the character in the scene. And those are not the same things. One, viewing the character in the scene as they're moving through the scene is distance. That's, that's like you're putting your character in a film. Moving as if you're seeing it through your character's eyes means you're inside their head looking out. So don't imagine it like you're in a movie, but more like you're in a first-person shooter game. So in a first-person shooter game... All you see of that care of your character's body is maybe your hands and your feet. I mean, where you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, just stop and look at your body. Okay? You cannot see your own face unless you're looking in a mirror. So if you can see your character's face, you are not inside their head. If you can see your character walking down a walking across a bridge to meet someone, you are not inside their head. You have to be able to write these scenes and to avoid teleportation and to be able to uh, to show what needs to be shown without going into our innate detail or bogging down the story. You see it as if you are inside your character's head. What are they seeing? What are they looking at? What comes first? And when you do that, the teleportation issues go away 
because you are automatically filling in those blanks. And that then becomes an issue of you might be filling in too many blanks and you might have to dial it back some. But if you can see your character's face, you've got a problem. And, and that's the easiest way to know. When you're imagining this scene, whose eyes are you seeing it from? Because if you're seeing your character through the eyes of the person that you, the character is talking to, you're in the wrong head. So many of these issues of teleportation or missing detail or just not conveying on the page what needs to be paid to, needs to be conveyed can be solved by making sure you are seeing through your character's eyes that you're in your character's head and not observing your character as you write these scenes onto the page. You know, this, this is really good, and it's very timely because I was reading a book over the course of the last couple of days that I gave up on, and I almost never give up on books. And I really liked the possibility of this story, but I found myself constantly trying to figure out what was going on, and I didn't know why. But now that you're saying that, it's it's perfectly clear why, because I didn't know who the characters were in time and space in each given scene. And I was constantly going back. It's like, is there a scene change? What happened here? Why are, you know, why is this going on now? And it was, it, it wasn't like it was awful, but I was constantly trying to figure out what was going on. And it kept taking me out of the story. And I eventually just gave up. I started reading another book that was very similar in genre. And the opening scene, we are in this woman's head, and as you're talking about imagining yourself as um, you know a game player and just kind of looking out at yourself, that's the way the scene opened. You know, this this woman was just we were seeing things through her eyes. We never saw her; we saw things through her eyes, and I was instantly engaged in that story. And you know, over the next two hours, read like half the book. It wow. just sucked me right in, and it was really well done. And it's 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 a those two, those two books that I happened to you know give up on one and and go right to the next one are just a great example of what you're talking about. But I wouldn't have understood that until listening to you talk about the the teleportation issue. I think it's a very very common. Um, it, it it's the type of thing that you normally would learn through experience. And this is one of those here, let me hack this for you and cut out all the trial and error of why your scene isn't working. And just, this is how you make it work. Do it, do it this way. And, and it will solve so many problems, but it, it leads to a second question or another anyway, another question anyway is, is teleportation in books always bad? And the answer to that is no, but there's a way to do it and do it properly. Um, Teleportation, just as in movies where it's cut scene and now you're on to something else, can be very, very helpful in books in helping to skip the boring stuff. You don't always need to know all the details of how a person, everything a person went through. Sometimes, especially in the types of books I write, which are very, very fast paced, rather than showing the character go through all this stuff, you start fresh and then you recap it in a paragraph and move on. And so if you're going to teleport your characters in a book, which is often necessary and very handy, you have to do it by scene breaks or chapter breaks. 
You cannot do it in the middle of a scene. Those are the ones that are going to cause problems. But you can cut a scene visually by putting the extra line space, white space, or whatever it is we officially call it. I don't know. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a literal scene break, visual literal scene break. There, you can put your character anywhere you want and start that fresh and just provide some context that whatever is important to the story that the reader needs to know, provide that in hindsight, retrospect, tell it. You don't have to show it. Just get it down there in a couple of paragraphs, a couple of sentences and move on. So it's not that teleportation is bad necessarily. It's that it's bad when it's in the middle of a scene and the reader has no sense of time or space and the bodies are just blinking in and blinking out and now they're here and oh, now they're there having this discussion with you. Yeah, they just kind of got there. That's where it's a serious problem and it can come across as being very amateurish and, and that your, your story is not finished. It's not ready. It's, it's in a rough draft state. And I would say that that actually finishes this episode on how to avoid teleportation in your writing. You're so good at tying stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, Next week's episode, I have some news that I want to share with Taylor. I'm a little nervous about telling her. I'm not sure how it's going to go. And, oh, great. Uh, so I we'll, have to sit here and suspense. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So uh, thanks for being here this week, and we will be back in your ear next Tuesday. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>